You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host, my trusty service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite topic, working dogs and working animals. And today we are visiting with Wilma Melville, and she is the founder of the National Disaster Search Dog Foundation. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Wilma to the show. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. The Boo Boo Loon Pet Recovery Collar is an innovative inflatable product that comfortably restricts pets from harming most surgical wounds, skin disorders, and obsessive licking or scratching. It's the humane alternative to the hard plastic cone and other devices. The Boo Boo Loon is easy to use and designed to be soft, fully adjustable, and pillow-like, allowing for unrestricted vision and complete freedom of movement. Sizes range from extra small to extra large. So join the Boo-Boo-Lution. Become a Boo-Boo Buddy on Facebook or check out BooBooLoon.com. B-O-O-B-O-O-L-O-O-N.com. Buster, you're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition, I guarantee it. Petco, with healthy pets go. Enter the code WORK10, W-O-R-K, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. Everybody, I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley, the giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling out in the world trips or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're so excited today to have Wilma Melville with us founder of the National Disaster Search Dog Foundation. Hello, Wilma, and welcome to Working Like Dogs. Hello, Marcy. Nice to be with you. Well, I'm so excited that you could be with us today. I, One of my favorites is, is search dogs, and I just can't wait to hear all about the work that, that you've been doing and about your organization. So just tell us, how did you go about founding this organization? Well, Marcy, the Search Dog Foundation was actually born after the Oklahoma City bombing. That was April 1995, and at that time, hard as it is is to believe, our nation had only approximately 15 uh, FEMA-certified 
canine disaster search teams. When I speak of a team, it's a dog and a handler. And it's hard to imagine that we had so few in those days. At the present time, there is approximately 230 in the nation, and uh, 75 of those are active teams with the Search Dog Foundation. That's wonderful. I know when we think of a disaster, I automatically think of the search and rescue dogs that are a part of that. But you're right. It wasn't that long that that wasn't a part of our history and a part of our teams. So I'm so thrilled that you've done so much so quickly. Well, it, uh, it took a little while, like with any organization, to get it off the ground. One first had to determine what is it that we need to know? Uh, why is it taking why is it taking three and sometimes four years to train one dog? And I, I looked at the uh, the the working dogs that become guide dogs for the blind, and I said to myself, "This is something's wrong. It takes them eight or nine months to train that dog, and surely there's a way to speed this up and yet keep very high quality." So we began actually by, uh, you know, just trying one thing after another. And what worked was to go to shelters and locate a dog who was about a year old that had a group of characteristics that, that seemed to fit disaster search. And we trained those dogs professionally and then placed them with a firefighter who would become the handler. The firefighter's job was to pay lots of attention, learn as fast as he could, and his job was to become a canine search specialist. That title is given to him when he passes a FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency, couple of tests. And then the dog and handler are ready to be deployed, well, wherever disaster strikes. They typically, of course, go with task forces, of highly trained firefighters, and the canine unit is one part of a task force. That is awesome, Wilma. And how do you recruit the firefighters to place a dog with? Well, typically, um, it requires two things, a very motivated, dedicated firefighter and a chief, a chief of a department who will say yes to an innovative program where it could be several from his department, men or women, you know, as long as they're firefighters. And, or it could be, we form a group from a variety of departments that are in close proximity to one another. So one department doesn't have to provide four to six handlers, but it can be departments that are near one another. But those chiefs have to understand that this is innovative, creative, fast moving, and that uh, the dog will be given to the firefighter at absolutely no cost. In addition, the firefighter will receive all the training he needs to become a canine disaster search specialist. But even beyond that, Marcy, the really, the really up-and-coming thing that we're working so hard on is to provide a national training center not only for our own 75 active handlers, but for the nation's disaster search teams, a place to come where they will receive the training that they will need for any type of disaster in the future. 
Well, that's wonderful. So tell us more about that. Where are you in the stages of that training facility? The training facility, um, we have 125 acres. It's located between Ventura and Santa Paula. And it's in a, uh, a canyon called Wheeler Canyon. 125 acres that are somewhat isolated from neighbors so that the sound of heavy equipment, dogs barking, working at night, you know, we need to provide training for the dogs and handlers to be able to function at night. All of these things can happen without bothering the neighbors. The total project anticipated cost is $14.5 million, but the, I guess the blessing is that we have already raised 8.5 of that money. Uh, we have we have some millions to go, but it's not daunting. If we've raised 8.5, we know we can do the next 6 million. It's not easy, of course, in this down economy, but for people who are concerned about earthquakes here in California, possibly tornadoes in the Midwest, hurricanes on the East Coast, throw in a handful of train derailments and mudslides, well, we we clearly need to be better prepared. Absolutely. And where has most of your funding come from? And first of all, congratulations on raising $8 million. That's phenomenal in this economy. But who are your supporters, Wilma? Are they government agencies or are these individual donors? Well, I'm afraid we need to forget about government, okay? Government is struggling with its own problems these days. It is a, a couple of wealthy funders who stepped up to the plate originally. And then it's uh, foundations that, philanthropic foundations that have been with us, some of them for six and eight and 10 years, and they see the need, they see our progress. You know, we began with just three handlers and we have overall trained 100 and 115 handlers and dogs trained. Many of them have retired at this point. They see that 75 are active, many of them here in California, but also in Nebraska, Oklahoma, Dallas, Texas area, Florida, New York State. We have handlers in those strategic places because that's where we expect disasters to happen, hurricanes, tornadoes, and things of that nature. We're never going to solve those kinds of things, but surely, Marcy, we can be ready for when it happens. Absolutely. And and I just am such a believer that dogs are some of our best first responders because they can do so much to help our firefighters and our law enforcement to really find people and, and to be there for us in these catastrophic times. Well, that's, that's the point. You can have lots of equipment, lots of people power, well-trained. But if you don't locate where the survivor is, then it's all for naught. And so far, a dog is beyond doubt our best tool at locating live human scent. And that's what they're trained to do. They're trained to ignore all the other scents that might be at that disaster. If it's an apartment building... There's clothing and bedding and food and, you know, people odors all over the place. But they're looking for the live human scent. 
That's what they've been rewarded for in training, and they sure know what they're looking for. A dog can cover large areas quickly. He can go, you know, a 60-pound dog can go into and over rubble and destruction that our two human feet uh, just aren't made for. So the idea is the human is safe directing the dog with hand signals, whistle signals, and moving the dog while the dog searches. It's a beautiful thing to see a team like that in action. I can only imagine. It's just awe-inspiring. And what's even better is that you're rescuing these dogs. So tell us a little bit more about that, Wilma. You said that you look for characteristics when you go. Where do you go to look for dogs and what are you looking for? Well, we have uh, we have a couple of canine recruiters. It's a, that's an odd job to have, but <laughs> they are looking among the dogs that shelters have rescued for dogs that have characteristics that we need. Now, we need all these characteristics in the dog. If one trait is missing, it makes a wonderful dog when it has some training, but it's not going to be a disaster search dog. We look for dogs that are approximately two years old or less, a dog with energy, and a very special ingredient called drive. Now, Dog people know what drive is. It's a dog that is not a couch potato. He's busy. He's active. He can focus. He likes other dogs and people, but he's got to have a job. It's a dog that will often retrieve uh, a stick or a ball or a toy over and over again with great vigor. But it's a bit more than retrieving. It's being willing to hunt for that toy. If that toy gets thrown into the bushes or into the water, the kind of dog will dive in there and will get it. The dog also has to be uh, confident, bold, uh, not care about the particular footing under his feet, and um, he has to not be noise sensitive as well. So that's a lot to put into one dog, but we do find them. We locate them in shelters, And we look for shelters who will work with us in identifying those particular dogs. They don't have to be purebred. Typically, we find them among Labradors or Labrador mixes. Golden Retrievers are high on our list. Occasionally a German Shepherd and occasionally a Border Collie. Some breeds like Terriers, they're terrific in some respects, but they tend to want to do the searching when they want to rather than when they're called upon. So terriers, as much as I love them and their wonderful personalities, they're a little, you know, they they tend to want to do things on their own terms. So when we locate a dog like that, it it has to have its hips x-rayed, a general health exam, and we do lose some of them to hips that are simply not well enough formed to work for the next 10 years. So uh, that's an issue that we need to pay attention to. And the dog's personality does have to be, you know, a likable dog, and it has to like other dogs and people. Get along with whoever it's with because it wants to do a job. Well, when we get one like that, it's like finding a pearl in an oyster. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Yeah, we are delighted. Now, many times we take a dog that seems to have all those characteristics. But 
maybe he wanted entrance training after the second month or so. Uh, we weren't quite right, and that dog won't, won't make it all the way through the training. Now, what's our choice there? Well, we've come up with lifetime care. We give that dog some basic training, just basic manners and basic obedience, and we look for families who are anxious to have a wonderful dog with a bit of training, a known health history now, and we adopt that dog out to families. That's wonderful. But lifetime care means don't just give it to them and say so long, but stay in touch with the family over the years in case they uh, something changes with the family or they need some help down the road, we're there to help them. So it's not goodbye dog, you've got a family, we're done with you. It's for the lifetime of the dog, we're attached to it. Should the family uh, have some problems, a divorce, something happens, they can no longer keep the dog, we just take that dog back and do it again. It's, oh, uh, that's wonderful, Wilma. Well, by this time, you know, it's really a neat dog. It was neat at the beginning, but it because it had no training, no manners, and nothing but boisterous energy, most people at the shelters would have to shy away from that dog. But we can recognize the pearl in the oyster, and we're so happy when we find one. Well, it sounds like you're finding more than one, which is so awesome. And we are going to have to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. But we're going to come back very shortly and we'll continue talking with Wilma and about the amazing work that she's doing with the National Disaster Search Dog Foundation. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash work, W-O-R-K, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called Info Seeds. Info Seeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of Info Seed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. 
every week on demand. This is the place for a special paparazzi treat, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Wilma Melville, and she's telling us about the amazing program that she founded, the National Disaster Search Dog Foundation. And one question that I know our listeners are wanting to ask is, where can people get more information about you and your program, Wilma? Well, that's an easy part. It's on www dot searchdogfoundation.org. Well, and tell us, is there information on there for firefighters who might want to become a canine search specialist? Or is there yes. information just to contact your office? There's quite a lot of information. Uh, it's really a, a website that has great depth. It talks about uh, there is an area that for prospective handlers... There's uh, an area that tells about the deployments that we've been on. There's photos of all of our dogs and handlers in the training groups that they function in. Because after they have a dog, they need to go home and train together. It's usually a group of four to six handlers that train together. And then they need to be in a reasonably close geographic location to one another because at the beginning, they train twice a week in the search phase, and then daily, they train individually on their own. If they're in California, they go back to the training kennel, which is located in Gilroy at the present time, and they go back to that kennel for what we call tune-up lessons, because it, it takes more than two weeks to train a handler. In uh, two weeks of training, the handler goes home with the dog, but he needs plenty of support, plenty of correction as things begin to fall apart. And uh, we do that in the training groups, plus the handlers go back to Gilroy to the uh, training kennel. Now, it's an out-of-state group, then the trainers from the Gilroy kennel go out of state and spend three, four, or five days per month with those new training groups to get them on course, keep them going, not allow them to make mistakes that then have to be corrected. They're all working toward FEMA certification. But when we have this national training center up and running, they will go beyond FEMA certification, and that's where they really need to go. What we've been doing nationally is we've been using the FEMA certification not as a waypoint, but as kind of a stopping point. And really, it should be a waypoint where, they, where handlers are willing to go beyond FEMA certification to deployment readiness. Instead of learning on the job at their first deployment, we want to use this national training center to upgrade everyone's skill level. Certainly, those handlers that belong in our program, but also... Handlers who have been trained elsewhere, even on their own sometimes, and we will invite them in groups to our national training center 
where everybody can upgrade their skill level and everyone can learn from one another. That's the plan, and we're a large way down the road in that effort. Do the fire departments, Wilma, do they have to pay for their staff to come to your location that you have now in California? No, no. That's why our Search Dog Foundation is a uh, 501c3 nonprofit. Donations to the Search Dog Foundation are tax deductible. And uh, happily, many, many people are concerned about disaster preparedness. I mean, we have here in California, we have an array of disasters, not just earthquakes, which are, is our primary concern, but we have mudslides. We have uh, cars that go leaping off freeways down into ravines. Uh, these dogs are used to search for people in, that, in those situations as well. We certainly have had our share of train wrecks and our handlers and dogs have gone to those to make sure that everyone has been removed from the train and from the wreckage. You know, there are gas explosions. There are buildings, portions of buildings that collapse during construction. It's quite amazing. Uh, It is. On this website, on the website, all of our deployments are listed with photos and uh, the handlers who have gone to to those deployments. How do you select the the handler and their dog to respond to a disaster? What's your process for deciding who goes, how many teams go? Well, happily, we're not involved in that aspect of disaster response. Our job is to train the teams, the dog first and then the handler with the dog. The fire department's are responsible for the disaster response. Now, let's say it's a, uh, oh, some years ago, we had the La Conchita mudslide. It was in Ventura County near the Santa Barbara line. And a dozen homes were suddenly covered with a giant mudslide. Our handlers responded quickly because the local fire department knew that they existed and we need them and they knew how to call them. But if it's a larger disaster that covers a larger area, then each state has an office of emergency services. It may not have that exact name, but each state has a state office that responds to disasters within that state. Then if it's really huge, like the World Trade Center, there's one we're not going to forget. Oklahoma City was huge for its time. Those become federal responses. The Hurricane Katrina, the Hurricane Ike. We have hurricanes all the time that cover large areas and cause a lot of destruction. That's where the federal government steps in and activates task forces. And these dogs and handlers can be deployed by their own fire department, by their state office of emergency services, or by the federal government activating task forces. Well, that makes perfect sense. I mean, and unfortunately, we are hearing more and more about these types of responses. And FEMA is certainly a a common name now that we're all familiar with. But it's such a mystery, though, as to how these dogs are trained and how they are deployed in these different areas. So thank you so much for helping us to understand that. I'm, (laughs) I'm hoping it's a little more clear that they are not trained by the government and they are not trained by the fire department. They are trained by 
this agency, the Search Dog Foundation, at www.searchdogfoundation.org, or they're trained, you know, a small handful of people working together to train the handler and the dog also works. But our agency gives the dog to the firefighter at no cost, gives the training, the ongoing training into the future, and is supportive of the training group that the handlers are in. But that all of that is shown uh, in pictures and written on that website, and there's videos as well. There's even, I'm hoping that this, uh, this radio interview will be able to be on our website as well as yours. So people just need to know that they're partly responsible for disaster response, and they can be part of the search. Absolutely. And it is so true that most likely one of us is going to need a rescue dog in our lifetime where we're going to need someone or a family member or someone that will need these types of services as our society is changing. And you're right. I mean, it's just so phenomenal that you're doing this work without government assistance, and yet you are assisting the government, which I really think is what we're going to have to really look at in the future is what is our role and what can we do to make a difference for others and boy Wilma you've really done that I mean you congratulations you are just phenomenal what you've done and it's just so interesting to hear about and and so heartwarming and what I love the most is your credo of your lifetime care that is so beautiful because I know so many agencies once they train a dog and place that dog whether it's in service or with a family when it doesn't make it they're pretty much done but it's so beautiful that you're not done your organization continues with that dog throughout its lifetime that's right And with the family as well, it's usually a very nice relationship. You know, many things happen to families when when they make an eight or ten year commitment to a dog. So they need to know that, yes, enjoy this dog, have a great life together. But if you run into trouble, we haven't, you know, we're here. We haven't left. Wow. Well, and you mentioned the states that you have search teams in. Are you considering other states? Well, at the present time, we are attempting to place dogs in states that have significant disasters. So there's the entire tornado belt, and the more dogs and handlers that are trained in those areas, the quicker the response. And there's the East Coast with its hurricanes. And then there's our entire West Coast. It's not just California but right on up the coast to Alaska, and that's earthquakes, which was the very beginning of the entire program at the start. We only were thinking earthquakes, but turns out we weren't thinking broadly enough. Yeah. Yeah, so the thing is that these dogs are languishing in shelters. Unfortunately, many of them will be euthanized because they are difficult dogs to adopt out unless they are trained. And they they are a demanding type dog. They don't want to just hang out. They want a job. And have we ever got a good one for them? Boy, do you. And the benefits are never ending. That is so wonderful. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show and visiting with us today about the incredible work that you're doing. Not only are you saving human lives, 
but the canine lives that you're saving and giving them a job where they can really reach their potential. That's so beautiful. And thank you so much for that. And I hope you'll come back and visit with us again and and keep us posted on your National Training Center. That is so exciting. Well, just stay in touch, Marcy, and I'll be happy to come back. Well, we will definitely do that. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us today. We really appreciate you stopping in, and we look forward to being with you again soon. And as you know, you can follow us on Facebook, and you can also find us at workinglikedogs.com. So thanks so much, and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.